So Nancy Joe and I got into it on Instagram DMs and she basically called me a sexist liar, which I find really comical. Um, but I know so many of you guys are really interested in this. Um, it is kind of like a juicy scoop. I'm not going to lie. So what I decided to do is I'm going to put up this conversation plus I'm going to put up the court records. I'm going to put up a picture of me in the shoes that I was actually wearing. I'm going to put up a um, comment from a rep at Louboutin who knows that the shoes that I'm not wearing, despite what she says, the shoes that I am wearing are not Louboutins. And I'm going to put up the police records from everything that they took in my house, which there are no Louboutins to be found on that piece of paper. So all of this stuff is going to be up on my Patreon and also on my Instagram stories for you guys to check out this week. Just because, like I said, the truth is on my side. Hey, it's Alexis Haynes, and this is my podcast, Recovering from Reality. You guys, this is Alexis Nyers calling... I'm calling to tell you that we can evolve, that we can drop our shame, and that we can own our stories again. And this week, that was my biggest takeaway. If you guys follow me on Instagram, then you saw the kind of, I hope you don't have kids in the car, shit show that went down when I posted a tweet that I had written asking and requesting Nancy Joe Sales to come on the Recovering From Reality podcast. If you're not familiar with the meme of all memes, with the meme of almost meme of all time, then you need to research me having a meltdown over Vanity Fair writer and, and in quotes, journalist, Nancy Jo Sales, the shade, the shade, Jessica, my producer is laughing at me right now, the shade. Nancy Jo, this is Alexis Nyers calling. I'm calling to let you know how disappointed I am in your story. There's many things that I read in here that were false. Like you saying that I wore six inch Louboutin heels to court with my tweed skirt when I wore four inch little brown BB shoes. No, um, honestly, you guys, it is hilarious. And I really actually um, enjoy the meme now. And let's talk about that. That's what I mean when I'm talking about how do we heal? How do we get to an ultimate place where we can reclaim our stories and the things that we used to feel so bad about the things that used to haunt us in our sleep, the choices we've made? How do we drop that shame and move into a place of healing and reclaiming that as part of our story, as part of, a part of our evolution, right? And we're always changing and hopefully always growing and always learning. And this week, um, this, this week really provided me with like a lot of healing, you guys. I'm, I'm, I'm being serious. So when I posted that tweet, I was half kidding and half serious. I really did think that it would be interesting for, you know, both of us 10 years later, right? This meme is still so popular to sit down and have a chat about 
you know, where we're both at and like what that time period was like for us. And it became apparent to me via this DM thread that I'm about to share with you guys that she has not changed at all. And that's okay. That's where she's at. Um, I've talked about the whole like meltdown with Nancy before. Um, because people have asked like, do you have resentment towards her? And the truth is that, um, when, when I responded back then, I, I still feel, I, it, it, I don't have resentment towards her. I understand. I think I understand more than even she does. Um, she often in her writings, whether it's Vanity Fair and her depiction of me or in a couple of books that she's written and other articles, that she writes often about how much she despises people's or doesn't doesn't really understand people's desire to be in the spotlight. And when she writes about um, the bling ring specifically, she talks about how everybody wanted to be famous from like the detectives to the lawyers to all of that. And what I realized is that Nancy Joe herself, that part that she just does not like about media that she talks crap about all the time or gives her opinion about all the time, she's a part of that. I mean, she didn't, she just, she was a journalist who came and we'll talk about how it came to like me agreeing to that interview because I only agreed to one um, interview with a journalist and she was the one that we picked. So we'll, we'll dive into that in a second. But how she went from just writing this Vanity Fair article to eventually writing a book about it and then to starring she went and starred as herself in the Bling Ring movie. I think that's pretty clear, right? And so, like, let's dissect this a little bit. You know, I'm, like, really big into psychology and into um, understanding our shadow selves and really working through our subconscious and our shame. So we're definitely going to dive into that a little bit in this um, in this in this episode. So backstory. When I was 18 years old, I was involved in a burglary that happened at Orlando Bloom's house. And it was around the same time um, that I had signed a contract with E! to do a reality show called Pretty Wild. I'm sure you guys know that, right? Well, the second morning of filming, the cops showed up to my house and they arrested me because, well, the truth is, I don't know if it was me and the numerous amount of times that I called the police or if it was a number of people calling the police, but Nick Prugo and Rachel Lee, who were the original bling ring bandits, right? They were the bling ring crew, the masterminds had been arrested for their involvement because there was surveillance videos of them with their faces like clear as day going into celebrity houses like Audrina Patridge and Lindsay Lohan and Paris Hilton. When the cops showed up at my house, I just thought that they were there to question me because I was just kind of like, I've been calling you guys. So clearly you're here to just, you know, take down all the information that I have and move on. I was very naive and there's no question about it. Like I was a completely unlikable person. Like that, that is 
clear as day. I was really sick. I was in the midst of a drug addiction. Um, I was very shallow. I was in a lot of pain. And while, yes, there's quotes of me saying things like, if Buddha can sit under the tree for 40 days and meditate, then I can go to jail and I'll be okay in solitary confinement. And there's and there's things that I said back then that people made fun of that that were the real Alexis, right? Everyone says, oh, she talked about how much she loved Angelina Jolie's hot husband back then. But I also said other things that I like her because she's a philanthropist and she cares about the world and she cares about children and all these things. And of course, the only part that they use is that I think she has a hot husband. Quick break from today's episode to talk about our amazing sponsor, which is Cured Nutrition. When I started this podcast, everybody and their mother who owned a CBD company started hitting me up. And I'm not the um, biggest CBD fan until I found Cured. I'm obsessed with Cured because usually when you have CBD, it comes in, you know, gummies or in drops that you have to put under your tongue. But Cured put together these amazing capsules. They're the Rise capsules. They have CBD to get you through your day, but they also have lion's mane extract, which is super good for your adrenals. They have B vitamins. They have all of these different herbs and vitamins in them that help you throughout your day to have enough energy and to feel level and balanced. And I really, really like this entire line, you guys. So right now for my listeners to try some of the cured products, which there is a slew of products, you guys, they do have the original tincture drops. They now have these gel capsules. They've got dog treats. Hell, they've got this like honey stuff that you can sprinkle on your food. They've got it all. So you can go and try their products and I swear you will not be disappointed over at curednutrition.com. That's curednutrition, C-U-R-E-D, nutrition.com. And you can receive 25% off today using the code Alexis25 at checkout. Again, that's code Alexis25 at checkout. My addiction was at an all-time high. I was a heroin addict. I was charged with um, the burglary of Alana Bloom's house. And the whole time period for me was really fuzzy because I was also addicted to Xanax. And so it was kind of like this big blackout time in my life. And I was filming a reality show and then the cops show up at my house. I get arrested. And of course it makes news, right? Because what a juicy story. What was going to be a very scripted and was still you know, loosely scripted reality show about my life became like a real reality show, like where you guys were seeing me have multiple meltdowns throughout the entire season because my life was like really falling apart. We were having a number of journalists, some from, you know, everyone from like Rolling Stone to Vanity Fair reaching out because they wanted this exclusive interview. And my attorneys were very selective, you know, like I wasn't allowed to talk to TMZ. I wasn't about the case. I wasn't allowed to like speak to anybody because anything can be twisted in the media. This is what they're telling me, right? And I'm just like a 19 year old girl at this point that has no idea how to deal with this situation and no idea how to handle this. Here comes Nancy Joe. She sells herself as a mother. She has a teenage daughter. She um, is an award winning author. She's here to tell my side of the story. She wants to you know, get an inside look about Alexis. And um, we agreed to this based on a couple of things that she wasn't going to talk to the other members of the bling ring and that this was like a solo interview 
piece in Vanity Fair. And so much so that they actually came to my house to do a photo shoot. I have the emails where this is like really laid out by my attorneys that these are the boundaries. And she says in her um, suspects wore Louboutin's Vanity Fair article, which led to the Nancy Joe meme, she says... Um, So she called her editor and was like, I don't know what they think I'm doing here. Like, they don't want to answer any questions about the case. And it's like, well, we think that you're here to do exactly what you said you were going to do, which was to give kind of like an expose, like interview um, about me and my life. At least that's what I understood. That's what I understood from my attorneys, right? So had she not done that and had just written an article about you know, the case and her perception of me, I probably wouldn't have had such an epic meltdown. But the meltdown came from the fact that she depicted me in a really negative way. And this is where I'm going to kind of call BS first because she claims to be a feminist. She even goes as far as calling me sexist in this text thread, from what I recall. Um, She talks often about feminism and about how she is like an ultra-feminist. But I'm going to challenge that for a second. If a man had robbed a house, you wouldn't be talking about what he was wearing, how he was dressed, his shiny black hair, and how hot he looked in his leather jacket. And what she did was she painted a picture of me that was so, that seemed so snobby and so arrogant. And like I said, you guys, I fully own up to the fact that I was not a very likable person back then. I was a child. I was very naive. I was um, very uneducated about the real world. I had lived in a bubble my entire life. And while life for me wasn't easy, um, you know, I had at the time, you know, so much money and so much fame and I was a basket case. There's no doubt about it. But the very, um, the thing that made me have that ultimate meltdown, um, was, the fact that she said that I ran away, walked into court in six inch Louboutin heels. Okay. Q $29. And they were little brown BB kitten heels and the whole meltdown. Right. So fast forward, that used to haunt me. You guys, that moment haunted me. I never watched that episode. It haunted me so much. It made me feel so much shame you know, we did that take over and over and over and over and over again. It was so stressful. I hated it. I I can still, you know, up until recently, I could still feel like the energy from that moment. You know, when you have like traumatic experiences and you can feel the leftover energy radiating, that was me. Cue the, you know, Nancy Joe, this is Alexis Nyers calling meme. I get the article. I'm like so excited about it because like I said, I hadn't done any other press. And so I get the, you know, the producers walk in and they hand me this and they knew they had already read it. I'm sure they knew it was going to be a meltdown. 
So they had us recording this scene over and over and over and over again of me calling Nancy Joe to let her know how disappointed I was in her article. And so we're doing this take after take after take and eventually the blow up happened. I'm recording, re-recording this voicemail so many times. I don't even know how many times I've re-recorded the voicemail at this point. And I had a meltdown. I didn't really have a problem with the way that she laid out the story. It was pretty, you know, clear. She had like a problem and wanted to cover like the bling ring story. And that's fine. What I had a problem with was the fact that she was a wolf in sheep's clothing when she presented herself to write this article to us for our, you know, with our mutual agreement, I would say. And then she went on and lied about the way that she depicted me. And then she claims that, you know, she's this like super feminist. And I have a problem with that, you guys. So this person, um, Afterglow Music, pretty much summed it up perfectly. She goes, I can obviously understand why Nancy Joe and the Bling Ring movie took issue with the robberies. Full stop. I mean, duh. I think everybody does. But what I don't understand is why women in the media seem to enjoy bashing more traditional types of femininity while doing so. They seem so earnest in their convictions that they know what feminism is because of how they apply it in a male-dominated industry. And in dismissing so many manifestations of femininity, they discredit themselves to many. Here's the thing. All socioeconomic groups rob, and it is illegal and unethical, but our society's reaction to crime in each group and the way that we marginalize them shows our culture's bias in a way that little else does. We need to keep our bias out of honest reporting. If you go through any major publication in journalism and you look at the way that women are depicted versus men, it is clear as day that there is a major issue. You would never see someone going, her rapist had jet black hair and a leather jacket on and Louboutin sneakers, and he walked into court as if he was on a runway. You would never see that. And here's the thing, because we're a culture that is still so misogynistic and still has such a huge problem with femininity and women and power and feminism and all of these things, the media continues to perpetuate this, this cycle, which I would say is almost violent towards women. And the population responds to that and they eat it up. And women really easily become villainized. And I'm not saying that I, again, I will repeat this over and over and over again, you guys, I was no mother Teresa, but let's be honest and fair in our reporting and don't lie about your intentions. So Nancy Joe, your bias is showing when E went and pulled the footage from me at court in the little brown BB shoes, like I said, they were, she had a full on meltdown on Twitter and was attacking me. And so uh, when I responded with, I'm a mother now, I am a couple of years sober, and I'm really trying to do best with my life, she went ahead and blocked me. She was clearly not open to a dialogue back then. That was back in 2013. And I was hoping 
that she was ready to have a dialogue now. And so I put out this tweet and I thought maybe she'll do it and maybe she won't. And I posted it because I know that she blocked me on Twitter and I thought on Instagram as well in hopes that someone would reach out and maybe she would be open to having a dialogue. I mean, she says that she's like so evolved and that she really likes talking about these challenging topics. And so it's like, let's dive into this, you know, let's dive into like what honest reporting and journalism looks like and why the media is continuing to portray women in this way. And what my intention was, you guys, was for us to take just like a moment in time and to move out of the shame, maybe even together and to, you know, move past this like cultural moment to have like a real dialogue around media and around journalism and possibly to walk away, you know, agreeing to disagree. It was clear to me just based off of her comments, this was before we even went to the DMs, that she was still the same person she was back then. So I reached out to Nancy Joe and I said, hi, I would honestly love to do this. And she responded with, can you tell me why? My response was this, absolutely. I find it interesting that it's been over 10 years and the meme of me having the Nancy Joe meltdown is still being ref- referenced on a regular basis on social media. I think that there's definitely an interesting conversation that could be had around your career and successes, the article, the phone call, and the way that media portrays women. Sure, we may walk away and agree to disagree, but what if we had an interesting conversation about the time period in media and about how it all transpired? I'm obviously in a very different place now. And I just think this would be an interesting combo. This isn't going to be some shame blame fest. It's an opportunity for us to have a healthy dialogue debate even around the article. This was her response. God, the ego. Um, I didn't make the show pretty wild or that meme, both of which I've said are sexist. I'm sorry that you had to endure it. I just try to ignore it. It means nothing to me in the grand scheme of things. I see that you've made a good life for yourself. Have some cute kids. I'm happy for you and wish you all the best. I hope you're able to move on from this story as soon as I have. The truth is that you presented yourself to my attorney and lied about your intentions for your benefit. That's okay. I forgive you. Just own it. You lied about the shoes, your intentions, and your depiction of me. Also, I love how you throw around the word sexist and call yourself a feminist. You are anything but. You ripped apart a young girl for your benefit. I'm taking my power back. You profited off of lying about me. And now I'm taking my story back and laying it all out. The truth is on my side. There's no blame here. I just wanted to have a dialogue around, um, you know, the truth around all of this and to have, have a conversation about media because the truth is that it is undeniable that your article and eventually your book and eventually that movie has not only shaped the way that the media writes about me and tells my story, but it shapes the way that people view me and it shaped my part of my case, like my ability to go and fight that case. And that is the truth. And so you know, this, my intention with this was to lay it all out. And you had the opportunity to go, you know, yeah, I probably should have skipped the Louboutin part and whatever else. And we could have had a back and forth about that and an understanding. Um, 
but you're not in that place yet and that's okay. The meme and me saying this is Alexis Nyers calling is me owning my story. It has nothing to do with you. And I'm going to continue to own it and promote it and live off of it because my message is different now. This isn't Alexis Nyers calling to let you know how disappointed I am in your story about me. This is Alexis Nyers on this podcast calling all of you guys to let you know that it is possible to wake up, that it's possible to evolve, that it's possible to own your own story, that it's possible to shine after tragedy and turmoil and trauma, and that if I can do it, you can too. So what does that look like? When we were in the beginning of this episode, I talked about how my shame used to cripple me about how I couldn't even watch that episode about how hard that was for me to overcome about how it felt crippling um you know the anxiety that it would bring to me and and I wanted to cry sometimes when I would watch my show back and now um it's just a part of me so, Nancy Joe, this has nothing to do with you. And for anybody else listening, um, what I'm here to tell you is that I'm going to own This is Alexis Nyers Calling for the rest of my life. And I'm letting you guys know that I'm using this podcast to call all of you guys to let you know that it is absolutely possible to heal from trauma, to heal from pain, to heal from addiction, to heal from your shame and to evolve into a place of empathy and understanding and love for yourself and to move on in a way that doesn't shut the door on your past, but includes it, loves it keeps it as a part of you that you no longer feel sad about, but instead have have a deep and profound love for because the old Alexis is still part of the new Alexis. It's just a part of me that no longer emotionally triggers me. And how do we get to that place? We get to that place by owning our story. We get to that place through honesty. We get to that place through place through grieving, through grief, through pain, through sadness, and eventually through empathy, right? And so as we're on this spectrum and and we're in this, you know, place of, you know, I was l- watching the Democratic debates last night and I wasn't going to get political, but here we go. I was watching the Democratic debates last night and I don't remember which candidate it was, but I believe it was Marianne Williamson. And she said, so long as, or maybe it was Cory Booker, and they said, as long as we are still willing to uh, deny our past, to deny our racism, to deny our sexism, to deny the pain that we've inflicted on ourselves and others through systemic racism, through sexism, through all of these different avenues, until we're willing to be honest and to have a dialogue around those things, we will never heal. We'll never move on. We'll never move forward. And that's the truth because I spent six out of eight of my years of sobriety shutting the door on that part of me and pretending that she didn't exist anymore. But there was sadness and pain and anxiety left over that was resonating in my being. And so how how do we move through that and some of the work is is in dealing with our 
you know, our subconscious mind and some of it is through therapy and some of it is through energy healing and some of it is through grieving. You know, I keep talking about grieving, about the sadness of that time period in my life, this, the trauma of fighting a case publicly like that, the trauma of my addiction, the trauma of not having parents that protected me, the trauma of the constant hounding of the media, the trauma of the whole experience. And, you know, not, not in a way that's like, oh, poor me, but wow, that was really hard. That was a really, really hard time period in your life. And I really feel for that. And I am allowing that sadness to be there. And I'm allowing that anxiety to be there. And I'm allowing that pain to be there for a little while. And then after we are done with the grieving process and the sadness process, maybe we allow ourselves to get angry for a little bit. Right? And then maybe we come into a place of acceptance. And after that acceptance, maybe we're even able to have a little bit of a laugh at ourselves. And that's kind of where I'm at now, where I can take pretty wild clips and things that I've done and said in the past and just have a little laugh at them, you know? Because what's the point of life if we're going to take it so seriously all the time? So this was all the closure that I needed. Sometimes we want so badly for people to change. And we just have to realize that everyone's on their own path. That's okay. And you can separate with good intentions, you know, with, with a desire for that person to evolve to wherever they're meant to in this lifetime. And, you know, obviously... I'm sassy and I have funny things to say about it. But at the end of the day, the truth is that I forgive the old Alexis. She made a lot of mistakes. She was really sick and in a lot of pain. You know? And I can forgive Nancy Joe too. This week's episode was all about overcoming my personal shame. And I think that um, the shame that we carry around affects us on so many levels And it isn't until we accept our shadow selves, all of the parts of us, that we're really able to heal and move on with our lives. So this week's affirmation is, I acknowledge all of the parts of who I am, the past and the present, and I'm working diligently every day to bring that shadow part of myself into the light. And so it is. If you guys liked this episode, do me a solid head over to the podcast app and make sure that you are subscribed to Recovering From Reality. Not just subscribed, but give me five stars if you really liked it. Comment, make a review. I really appreciate it. And if you're listening on your phone, you could even screenshot a picture of you listening and tag me up on Instagram and I'll do my best to share it within the community. So thanks for listening, you guys. And I hope you loved this episode. (music) 